everybody. You're listening to The Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 442, NFL Season 3. Welcome back. Get ready for our 2022-2023 NFL Season Preview. I'm Joe Buck in the booth here at MetLife Stadium. <laughs> that was not the... reminds me of Joe Buck. <laughs> yeah, sure. It wasn't. I'm not sure it was the greatest impression ever, but <laughs> well, we won't add that to the list of skills that you may or may not possess. His best impression would be just sitting in a chair getting hair plugs. I've <laughs> done that about 15 times. <laughs> yeah, I we I know that you hate Joe Buck. As I said we, before, we get it. I quite like him. When we just... I dislike Joe Buck as an announcer. The more I listen to his interviews and just him talking, I think he's actually a very intelligent, funny person. Yeah. But just as an announcer, I don't like him. Uh, again, I think we've had this we've had this exact conversation maybe four times on the podcast already. I like him. Like I find that he has just his voice. Like I, f- he's one of the announcers where I feel like the game feels more significant when he's commentating on it. There's a handful of them where I feel yeah, like it just significantly crappy. <laughs> But he does have that repetitive nature that just, and it's caught that bit, which we've discussed before. That bit is annoying. And obviously there's those highlight videos where there's a really great play going on. And all he does is maybe like repeat someone's name. So he'll just yeah. like, it'll be like Nick Chubb breaking through nine tackles. And it'll just be like, Chubb, 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 Nick Chubb to the 30. Nick Chubb, he's going all the way, and that's <laughs> that's it. And it's like, wow, one of the most spectacular plays we've ever seen has just occurred, and all you've done is repeat his name five times. Yeah, it's true. It'll be like bottom of the eighth, and it'll be like Martinez, long fly ball, center field, caught. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, thanks. <laughs> but I also appreci- really getting into it. <laughs> I also appreciate there's probably people who love like that the announcer isn't trying to steal any of the limelight. Like he is literally just there to. You know, he's not a radio yeah. announcer, so he doesn't really need to be describing exactly what's happening. So I do appreciate that as well. But here we go. NFL. Hey, Eddie, who's <laughs> winning the Super Bowl, Eddie? <laughs> Let's make it short and sweet. <laughs> Just end of the episode. No, we can save that. But yeah, NFL's back. It feels like, I have to admit, this is both, it feels, it's one of those, this sounds so stupid to say, it both feels like it's been a long time and not a long time. Like the Super Bowl feels fairly recent at the same time. It, last season feels ages ago. So there's that part of me in trying to do the research to prepare for obviously our previews and just also get back into the swing of things in terms of the NFL being back. Obviously worth mentioning people, we're recording this on the day of the first of the opening game, Thursday night football. People, this will be out before kickoff, but people will probably be listening to it afterwards. But so we are. Which, yeah, which I think 538 has rated as the second best matchup this season is the first game of the year in the uh, Bills versus the Rams. Okay. Um, what, what was the best? Uh, Bills Chiefs, I believe. Okay, okay so like just love the Bills. I mean, it's well, a tough... They, I mean, everyone's ranking the Bills as the top team in the NFL. Yeah, which I may or may not agree with. I guess we'll get to that later on, but I'm not that high on the Rams, I guess. So this probably wouldn't, for me, be the second highest matchup. Yeah. Um, 
but I guess coming off a Super Bowl win, you know, most people remember the Super Bowl, Eddie. So <laughs> don't know if you remember it. Well, I mean, it, look, it's one of those things. If you want to talk about real records, Super Bowl teams, you know, the the, the post Super Bowl slump is a real thing. So there is a very realistic. And if you threw out like the Patriot era, like dynasty teams, of which I don't think most people will think the Rams are going to suddenly evolve into a dynasty, right? Like this is a, they are built to win now. So there's no, I don't think there's a realistic possibility that this Rams team is good for the next seven years. They just don't have that setup. But I mean, my concern also early in the season, right? You've got a Matthew Stafford injury that they're coming into this with. So, or supposed injury. So I don't know if week one is necessarily the best version of the Rams that we're going to see. Yeah. Supposedly he had, uh, like a minor was it elbow surgery? Yeah, coming in so, which is always what you want to hear about your quarterback, right? Not an important part of your body. <laughs> Fun. So for those listeners who are new to the podcast, every week on our Thursday episode, we do a preview of each NFL game and a prediction. Pretty brief, like we kind of try and focus on the biggest bigger games of the week, but we do make a prediction for each game both sort of straight up who will win and also money line based, uh, sorry, also against the spread based on uh, the Big Chill podcast official bookmaker. And from there, we just track our record over the course of the year. This is now obviously the, what is this, the second season we've done this? So this will be the third. This is the third, yeah. Yeah, two complete seasons previously. And... uh, our records. And I've won every year. <laughs> okay. Prove me wrong. Uh, I have the data to show that you're wrong. <laughs> no, you don't. Do. You said you had the data for years, and you know you failed to, fail no, no, to no. materialize the data. No, the, the data in terms of the analysis, the detailed analysis, that has not materialized. But the data in terms of who actually just outright won, that one we are well aware of. Obviously, I guess benefit for our listeners this year. Our predictions will be a little bit quicker because we're down a man. So no Sam to throw in his third prediction. So it's we'll, f- we'll fly through the weeks. Yeah. Oh, man. That 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 guy, Sam. I remember him one day. <laughs> yeah, the dead weight of the podcast. <laughs> yep. So before we start, Eddie, I thought we could um, intro in with a little... Even Jeopardy is getting into the NFL fever. So a few days ago, although I think it might have been older, it might have been a repeat now that I'm looking at it, but a few days ago, I was watching Jeopardy, and the final Jeopardy question was sports and entertainment. And the question was, in 20, or I guess the answer was, in 2021, this Hall of Fame athlete launched Omaha Productions. Who is Peyton Manning. Correct. Yeah, I mean, that's not hard. How many of the three contestants do you think got that correct? Because you're asking me, I'm assuming no one did. But I would have thought that everyone gets that. That's not a tough question. One person got it right. The other two guessed Tiger Woods. And the this entire answer was Rick, quotations, the nature boy flair. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Tiger Woods seems like a bad guess. I don't know what his tie to Omaha would be, but yeah, uh, it's like he grew up in Nebraska. Is Rick? I mean, I think the Ric Flair one is even worse because 
It sounds as if this person knows Ric Flair enough that he knows the nickname, but he doesn't know him enough to know he has no association with Omaha. <laughs> no, I just had to check just before we. Yeah, he was born in Tennessee. So. Because. Oh, you think it was like that deep of a cut that that guy actually knew he was born from Omaha, Nebraska? I mean, if you were. Fan? Well, that, that's also. Yeah, that you, you raise a valid point there. If you were some huge Ric Flair fan then you would think you would know that. But yeah, I guess if you'd maybe known that Ric Flair was from Omaha, then you'd probably, you might've been trying to think of someone from Omaha, but it surprises me. I mean, just because not even, you don't even have to have watched football. That, that was in commercials. Yeah. Like that was, it was a pretty ever present, uh, bit of sort of weird cultural sort of, I don't even know how to describe it. It was kind of a cultural phenomenon for like six months. Yeah, for more than that, I think even. Well, it had the six months when he was first starting to do it. It had that period where everyone was really making fun of it and commenting on it. Like if I had to think of famous things that have occurred from the NFL in the last 15 years, like non-actual football stuff, it would be high on that list. Like you'd have T-Bowing would probably be the top, <laughs> would probably be top of the list for me as the thing that just like everyone was T-bowing, whether or not you were watching football or not. You're saying T-bowing or T-bagging? <laughs> I don't know what you... I think he, he just, <laughs> this is a flashback for you, back to your T-bagging days. Were you, were, you a, were you a giver or a receiver in the T-bagging department, Frank? I loved the T-bow. I was T-bowing all the time. <laughs> <laughs> were you getting T-bagged by T-bow? You would never do that. Not ruling yourself out, though. <laughs> just a disappointed he would never do that. What? <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, we've we've got decidedly off topic, so let's shift back on to our NFL preview. So I guess the way we're going to do it is go through division by division. Um, I guess the natural way okay. is to kick things off with one of the divisions involved in tonight's game. So do you want to start things off with the... Go ahead, Eddie. We'll start with the NFC. <laughs> we don't have to. <laughs> Go ahead, Eddie. We'll start with the NFC West. Let's do then. the NFC West. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> well, I'll try and keep, as I said, we'll try and keep this preview. You know, we're not going to, this isn't some super in-depth preview, but I think when you look yeah. at the talking points going into this season with the NFC West, if you look at the Rams, coming back as a pretty similar team to the one that won the Super Bowl last year. I guess the notable absences from last year's team, you have OBJ who obviously picked up his injury in the Super Bowl itself and is not back. And then also who may come back. We don't, we never know. Yeah. Yeah. It's OBJ, but probably right, right now he's currently just flying in a private jet around the world, getting tattoos. Yeah. So who knows? He might be back. <laughs> you then have Von Miller who is now, well, we'll be facing them tonight, right? As a, now of a Buffalo yeah. bill. So that's a big loss, but they seem to have, you know, Strengthen then defensively, adding Bobby Wagner, so that kind of makes Big up a little up. makes up for the loss of uh, Von Miller, and then in a sense, you know, they've, they've picked up Allen Robinson too as a wide receiver, which probably makes up for the loss of OBJ. So, yeah, all in all, I'd say the Rams are coming back as a fairly similar team to the one that won the Super Bowl last year. I guess the question mark is they they really rode their luck in the playoffs. You know, they could have easily lost pretty much every game they played in the playoffs. And so I'm not sure whether or not they were genuinely the best team over the course of last season. And then, you know, I don't trust Matthew Stafford totally. 
And so as we've already mentioned, he's coming into this with a slight injury concern that could develop more over the course of the season. Also a little bit concerning that you had the possibility that they were going to lose their head coach immediately after the Super Bowl. I mean, you did have that discussion, which seems to have been glossed over as we come into this, but there was, you know, serious talk there for a while that, I mean, also other players too, right? Even, even Aaron Donald, there was a possibility that he was going to retire immediately after that Super Bowl win. So I think that will be good. And I think they are the safest pick to win this division in a division that I think has got significantly worse in, when you compare it to last season. You know, it's not that long ago that the NFC West was, I think, probably undoubtedly the strongest division in the league. Now, certainly isn't the case. So I guess easier to then focus on the teams that have definitely got worse. Seattle, a team that seems to be in a little bit of disarray coming towards the end of Pete Carroll's reign there. They seem to, you've obviously had the big loss in Russell Wilson, unclear exactly what their plans are at quarterback, whether or not they'll make a move there at some point over the course of the season. I I mean, why do you have to make a move? You have the worst starting QB in the NFL and Drew Locke. (laughs) What what else could you want? So yeah, they were... how how Drew Locke is still and oh, actually he's the backup to Geno Smith right now. Yeah, but there's no doubt in my mind with Geno Smith's injury record that Drew Locke's going to see the field, and how Drew Locke continues to see the NFL field blows my mind. There has got to be better quarterbacks out there than Drew, than Drew Locke. Well, and Geno Smith. I mean, neither of them. Uh, they might have the worst. I think they have the worst starting quarterback in the league. They might have the worst backup in the league. And that's not a position you want to be in where you where you're kind of bottom of the rung, you know, the ladder in 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 both categories. Yeah. So G- just for a reference, Geno Smith has started five games since 2015. So in the last seven years, he's got five starts. And I just wanted to bring this up. I, I made a point of this as we were going through some of the previews I was reading for some of the teams. Uh, someone labeled Drew Locke as a having a gunslinger mentality and risky decision making. That is a very, very nice way of saying he's shit. <laughs> well, or at least saying he throws a lot of interceptions. I think that's the nice way of saying he throws interceptions and turns the ball over. Like a poor man's Brett Favre. But very poor man. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, things don't look great in Seattle. They kind of lost their identity. You know, the, I think it's easy to cast our minds back to the Seattle team that was obviously winning the Super Bowl and making the Super Bowl a couple of times that was really built on their defense, the Legion of Boom. That Legion of Boom is now well and truly gone. It seems like the first time in a long time where even the fans in Seattle seem a little bit unhappy. I know they got booed in a preseason game, which, you know, again, yeah. for a team that has built its reputation on being the hardest place to play, where the fans are just always behind them, where the influence that the 12 has on on games, yeah. to have them booing. Even the 12th man has been traded right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it seems... Like Pete Carroll's time there might be coming towards a kind of sad end. And you also wonder, again, given his age, whether or not he is the right coach to oversee a complete rebuild. I think you have some parallels there, not that he's on the level of Bill Belichick, but you have some parallels there of, yes, you have great head coaches in place, but given their how old they are, are they the people you want to now oversee what might look like a near total rebuild? So... I think we could see Seattle fo- completely fall off a cliff this year. Then you have the Cardinals, the Jekyll and Hyde team of the oh yeah of the NFL. <laughs> I mean, it's not a lot has changed for them. 
it's just everything has become more and more uncertain. So there's obviously the, the contract drama surrounding Kyler Murray this offseason. Then you throw into the fact that you've got a suspension to their key offensive weapon, and then also major question marks over their head coach. And I think overall, it's difficult to have a positive outlook. You, you look confused. What are the question marks over the head coach? Whether or not he's terrible. Oh. I don't think he sees out this season. You don't think he finishes the season? No, as not as the head coach of the wow. Arizona Cardinals. No. Wow. I That's, that's a bold, there bold claim there. I don't think it's that bold of a claim. But I, I think it's bold considering, I, I mean, well, what's going to be interesting, I think, for the Cardinals, right, is they're that team that gets off to the really fast starts and then fizzles as the year goes on. But it's going to be hard to do when DeAndre Hopkins is out for the first six games uh, due to his suspension uh, for his PEDs. But that, that's going to be interesting is if they get off to a slow start, do they get off to a slow start and then fizzle out? Because then you could be correct if they're ending up you know, if they're three and nine, three quarters of the way through the season, then maybe. But I, I don't think you get rid of him when you just signed Kyler Murray to a big deal. I think that's why you get rid of him. They have, they have, you know, they are the the Cardinals are the Kyler Murray team, and if if things start to go worse and worse in terms of both, I think the relationship between the two of them and whether or not he's able to maximize the talents of Kyler Murray, I think you Cliff Kingsbury is is a dead man walking, and. Just to back that up a little bit, he is the third favorite to be the next head coach fired. So I don't think it's exactly a bold, you know, I'll take I'll take all the credit. He's he's 10 to one to be the next head coach fired. If he ends up being it, I'll, I'll, you know, take some credit for that prediction. But it's not as if I just predicted. I mean, if you look towards the bottom of the odds, you know, it's, it's not as if I said, I mean, I, I mean, I don't even know who would be the boldest prediction in some respects but yeah i think i feel confident in the fact that i don't think he sees this season out so i think and then obviously the last the last team in the division i think is the team with the the biggest maybe the biggest unknown in all of the league which is the san francisco 49ers they come into this with a kind of off the back of a somewhat turbulent offseason with the the debo samuel debo samuel debo samuel contract drama but he's signed his extension, so that seems to have been resolved. You got the quarterback situation, which it's clear that Trey Lance will be the starting quarterback, but they've also got Jimmy Garoppolo to sign a team-friendly one-year deal to stay as his backup, I guess, which in comparison to the Seattle Seahawks probably means that the Niners have the best backup in the league. But with Trey Lance... <laughs> oh, first we hate Garoppolo. Now he's the best backup in the league. Well, I mean, make up your mind, Eddie. Well, no, because your mind. No, because if you're the if you're the thirty thirtieth best starter in the league, then you're probably the best backup. You know what I mean? Like it's it's a list of you know what say eighty active quarterbacks in the NFL at any one time, eighty to ninety, depending on. I know most teams only have two, right? But a few do carry three quarterbacks on their roster at any one time, so. You know, you're. I think that's a, a a fair statement to make. I don't know who who do you think is a better backup currently in the NFL. I don't know all the backups in the NFL right now. Oh, I'll that give you one. Pick it, pick it. Talk oh, on the Steelers. Give me a break. <laughs> How can you say what that? What do you mean? But also, he's not even a true backup. 
Well, is he starting week one? No, but I think of rookies. I think when you're... Oh, so then he's the backup to the starter. Okay. <laughs> but he's not a real backup. You know you know exactly what I'm saying. Like, it's different when you're talking about rookie quarterbacks. But, yeah, I mean, the big unknown here is just how good will Trey Lance be. If Trey Lance is... <laughs> I love how good will he be? No. Not how bad will he be? Well, how good is he? <laughs> Look, I mean, I'm I'm optimistic. I don't think he's going to be the second coming. You know, the, the, the everyone is well and truly on the Trey Lance bandwagon that we've discussed this on a previous episode. This concerns me. But, you know, the team around him is so good. Now, the interesting thing, too, is... It, they lost a lot on their O-line, though, did they not? I feel like they've lost two or three starters on their O-line. Yeah, but then they... Which is kind of concerning for a new QB. No, but they also strengthened their offensive line. And they've also doubled down. I mean, they have six running backs on their active roster coming in, out of their 53-man roster at the moment as well. It is clear that he that Kyle Shanahan is just going to double, triple, and quadruple down on the fact that this is a run-first team. So, and, you know, arguably adding Trey Lance, a, a significantly more mobile quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo, in addition to those running back options, you also have the possibility of a quarterback to actually pick up some yards on the ground as well. So it's interesting because they are... The Niners are an example of a team that is zigging while everyone else is zagging in terms of their approach. They are getting bigger offensive linemen, trying to use their tight ends more in terms of in, in blocking, trying to run the ball significantly. So it's really the going in the opposite direction to what the overall trend in the league is. And you just know, I think, on a week-in, week-out basis that allows them to grind teams down. It's not always spectacular, and the best teams can overcome it, but terms of the bad teams it usually means over four quarters that it's going to be difficult to live with them so i think it's easier to start from the bottom up in this division in terms of making predictions i'm going to put seattle okay seattle well and truly at the bottom i find it difficult to imagine them having, i agree yeah so I, th- I think we're going to have the same ranking here i'm going to put the cardinals third yeah i'm going to put the rams second uh, we're wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> I knew that he, I, when I knew my ranking and you said we were going to have the same ranking, I knew there was no way. And I am willing to roll the dice that Trey Lance will be a decent NFL quarterback in his first year as a true starter. And that just with some of those question marks over the Rams, I feel like they can win this division. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think Seattle is is not going to do much this year. Um, which you're right, does take down this division a little bit from how high of a pedestal it's been put on the past few years. But I still think this is actually the best division in the NFC. And I think that because I think you have two legitimate Super Bowl contenders. Um, And I still think you have three potential playoff teams. I'm a little worried about the Cardinals in those first games without Hopkins. But I think Murray will have a little chip on his shoulder. And I think Kingsbury will have a chip on his shoulder too. So I I, I see them I see them being above 500, not very high above, but maybe scraping in on a, on a last wild card. I don't think they will, but I think they'll be close. But I Frank, do think the two... Just a, that's but, not a chip on Cliff Kingsbury's shoulder. That's a that's his bindle as he carries his <laughs> carries his items out of the out of the Arizona Cardinals facility after he's been fired. <laughs> Is it on a little stick? 
Yeah, exactly. That's what a bindle is. Like, uh, you know, like. A, oh, is it at the whole? It's the whole thing. Yeah, the I stick. thought it was just the sack. No, nah, the stick on the stack. The sack on the stick. You want to sit on the stick? Is that what you just said? No. Okay. Let's let's calm. I don't know what's got into you today, but <laughs> you, need to, you need to calm yourself down a little bit. Sorry, it's a it's very strong coffee. Um, but yeah, I I think the Rams and the Niners are both Super Bowl contenders. I am not willing to bet that high on Trey Lance. Um, I, I have nothing against Trey Lance, but his work of his body of work is very small and limited to this point. That's fine. So, Niners Nation uh, is I, happy to hear that the yeah, Duke of Curse right. is not coming straight on to Trey Lance. There, yeah. the, the, what Niners Nation fears is that when once the playoffs roll around and the Niners have finished their season, you know, twelve and five, that that's when all of a sudden the Duke of Curse will be thrown onto them. But they're <laughs> I like that you're the voice of Niners Nation. <laughs> A, le- a legitimate website that we do not represent, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think the Rams will will finish top of this division. They they haven't lost much, and if anything, they've. I think Bobby Wagner will be a great addition for the loss of Von Miller, and I think Allen Robinson is better than Beckham. You know, you can't really rely on Beckham very much. So in, in that regard, I think they're bringing a similar team, just another year being together, another year Stafford there. I think that's going to help. I'm not too worried about the injury. So I think those will be the top two Rams, Niners, and I think both will make the playoffs. I think they'll both make the playoffs too. I'll say. Right from there, should we maybe do AFC West? Well, why don't we do AFC? West, AFC West. Why don't we do AFC East again? A figure factoring in the Bills are playing in the the opening game tonight. Yeah, I think this is becoming a strong division, and not in the reason that you think it would. In that. It's not the Patriots leading this division anymore. I think it's other teams that are starting to move past the Patriots, and I think that's what makes this division a very strong division. So you have the Buffalo Bills, who uh, for most people are the number one in the power rankings uh, for for most places and are most likely to win the Super Bowl. So I did say we had some of the 538 odds um, and 538 currently has them as the favorites to win the Super Bowl with a 10% chance to win. Um, so, and a 77% chance to make the playoffs. So that seems very strong. <laughs> uh, I mean, this is a team that they really haven't lost much. Uh, I mean, they're bringing back most of their roster. They're adding Von Miller. So they're strengthening a defense that has been, for the most part, a very strong defense except for these random games that they kind of just don't show up but they're one of the best defenses in the nfl and now you're coupling that with an offense that just keeps getting better and better josh allen is is i think becoming an elite qb i you know they lost arguably one of the greatest playoff games in the in the afc championship or divisional round sorry afc divisional round to the chiefs in that um overtime matchup so i i think when they look back on that game, you know, I think I believe most people still feel the Chiefs are the team to beat, even though they're not. And when they look back on that game, they have to feel as if they were just as good, if not better. And adding Von Miller will help because that, you know, having that outside rush presence always helps the team, you know, especially when it comes to playoffs. If you can get to the quarterback without having to do crazy blitzes, that's always going to help. So I think they're pretty happy about that pickup. Um, but yeah, they, they're, they're solid right now. 
Yeah, I think it's, you know, the Bills are definitely on an upward trend. I think it's hard to pick too much of a hole. Again, they're one of those teams where they definitely know what their identity is, and you just expect Josh Allen to continue to get slightly better. I don't know what his ceiling exactly is, but, you know, you just think with the added playoff experience that, and the fact that he was able to prove himself really in those playoffs, because remember, it's easy to forget, but like going into last year, right, that was the big question mark was whether or not in the big moments, whether or not he could pull through. So, and, you know, they will have felt like they went toe-to-toe with the Chiefs in that playoff game and, and really should have won. So I think, yeah, they 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 know who they are and they do a good job of strengthening themselves in ways that play into that, which I think is always one of those things that you look for in NFL teams. With, and with that clear idea. They are who they know they are. Exactly. <laughs> we do have that sound drop, but I won't play it just yet. But... But we can we can save that for week after week one. But they, uh, okay. yeah, I expect them to be good. Yeah, and I, we don't do much fantasy on on here. Uh, <laughs> I should say we do Lord of the Rings, so we do some fantasy. <laughs> but we don't we don't do fantasy football talk very much. Uh, but I'd for say never really. Yeah, I, just occasionally, right? If if someone has a crazy day, we'll mention it. But. Um, one of the people, if, if people are interested in that, I think Isaiah McKenzie, who's a receiver for the Bills, he's going to be their slot receiver this year. Uh, he won out the, the role in training camp. He's could have a huge season um, coming in. No one really knows who, who he is. He's probably going to be available, you know, late in those rounds. But anyone with Josh Allen, he's going to throw a ton. So being a new slot receiver, he's fast as hell. So there'll be a lot of deep balls there. Look at that fantasy Frank over here. Yeah. All right, and then next we have the Miami Dolphins. So this is a team that is making the push to be a playoff contender and making a push to give Tua all the options to be rising to that status of a Josh Allen. Whether that will be the case, I think this is going to be a great year to find out if he's the quarterback that the Dolphins think he is. Um, so obviously the big addition, probably one of the biggest signings of the year, uh, is Tyreek Hill going to the Dolphins. Well, I also think that's big, uh, big question marks over Tyreek Hill, right? Whenever you have a yeah. like a superstar receiver leave a just juggernaut of an offense, now the question is how good is Tyreek Hill? I mean, we obviously know how the speed, like how good is Tyreek Hill, or was he just in exactly the right system for him to? kind of be the very best that he could be. Yeah, no, that's it's that's a great point. The other big uh talking point for them is the firing of Brian Flores, which then, you know, resulted in the whole lawsuit and and everything that followed. But they did bring in a Eddie favorite in Mike McDaniel, the former Niners offensive coordinator. So this this I think is interesting because the Niners, like you mentioned before, are a run heavy team. And you've now got an offense that is not very similar, I think, to the Niners offense that McDaniel's used to to coaching, where you have Waddle and Tyreek Hill and Tua, who are very different than Garoppolo and Debo Samuel. And I don't even know who the second receiver was at that point for Ayuk. Well, Ayuk last season would have, from a actual passing yard standpoint would have been the primary wide receiver. I mean, you yeah. throw George Kittle in there, right? That's the... True. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so th- th- that'll be... Int- I think this is going to be interesting for to see how he can maximize this offense. And maybe 
you know, McDaniel's the type of coordinator where he was just maximizing what he had in in San Francisco and was pushing the run because that's what they were better at. Whereas here, you know, maybe he'll open the offense up more. So that is still kind of to be determined. Um, but there's a lot of think of optimism for Miami. And this is a team that lost seven of their first eight games last year and then won eight of their last nine and made the playoffs last year, just snuck in. Uh, so I think they've bettered their team this year. And if they can be the team that was the second half of the season with some improvements, then they could they could be making the playoffs again. Yeah, it's definitely a possibility. I think the other interesting thing when you're talking about the head coach there and the situation, also a little bit of a test for the uh, Kyle Shanahan coaching tree. Everyone loves to talk about that in the NFL, right? How how you, you kind of track where the future head coaches come from. I'd say Robert Sala last year was a little bit of a swing and a miss for the Jets, but they're the Jets, so who knows? But this is really the first the, the first time that you have a direct you know, sort of descendant of Kyle Shanahan's approach, taking charge of what on paper looks like a pretty good team. So an interesting test to see whether or not the sort of Sanford, the Kyle Shanahan system and approach translates to other coaches and teams. Yeah. And then next I'll go, we can go with the Jets. Uh, I don't think anyone's expecting big things here from the Jets. This is still part of their rebuild, as they like to call it, for the past decade. Uh, even less encouraging is that Zach Wilson is going to be out for the first few games of the season, uh, which isn't a good sign for the Jets or for uh, Robert Sala, another disciple of the Shanahan tree uh, from the defensive side. I think one bright spot for them is they do have a lot of young talent. They had a, a really good draft this year. Uh, they got Garrett Wilson from Ohio State, uh, Sauce Gardner, from Cincinnati, uh, probably the, one of the top cornerbacks, and then uh, Brees Hall, running back. So they've got a lot of young talent, but obviously I think they're nowhere near ready to be contending in any way. Uh, I did want to bring in the Sauce Gardner. If there's anything we could talk about with the Jets, I think he's a pretty good talking point. So he, he was a cornerback for Cincinnati. He had no touchdowns in college. He did not let up a touchdown in his entire collegiate career. And Eddie's going to love this stat. So far in preseason, he hasn't allowed a completion. <laughs> and no, he, in fact, there hasn't even been a ball thrown his way in preseason. Well, look, he can join the Ravens in the preseason Hall of Fame. Yep. You know, the but Ra I was also going to say, I don't know how much preseason he's actually even played. You know, maybe a, a quarter each game. It's true. I mean, I haven't, um, I haven't given up a pass in preseason either yet. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you don't have an interception though either. The other the other sauce gardener is that uh, the Buff Buffalo Wild Wings is introducing a sauce to its uh, list of sauces called the sauce sauce in honor of sauce gardener. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, many he, people enjoy because it's Buffalo Wild Wings and they're uh, supporting sauce sauce gardener. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think you get you seemingly get the most pleasure out of that. <laughs> I like that. I like like useless campaigns like that. That oh, oh, I don't know. I don't know why everyone's invested in that. I think it's just funny. Listeners of the podcast are well aware of the fact that you like useless campaigns. There's no surprise there. Anything on the Jets? No, I think they're going to be the, one of the worst teams in the NFL. I mean, it's just yeah. 
I think the Jets have entered in Eileen Look, friend of the podcast, Furlong. Uh, he and I had an interesting debate the other day as to with another guy in a bar where I said I did not expect the Jets to win the Super Bowl in my lifetime. And he said this, the person we had just met disagreed with us on the Furlong, who is a Jets fan, agreed with me. The then other guy just said no because he felt like everyone will win a Super Bowl eventually. I was like, yeah, but, you know, you're talking about maybe 50, 60 years at best for me. And if that's the, <laughs> if that's the case, you know, if, if one team is going to win the Super Bowl four or five times in that period, potentially even more, then you start to eat away at the thought that everyone's going to win a Super Bowl. So, yeah, I think on that, on that grounds, the fact that it couldn't be just dismissed out of hand by anyone involved it's too. It's hard to be too optimistic about the Jets coming into this season. Do you want to take the uh, guess as to five thirty-eight percent chance of winning the Super Bowl for the Jets? Oh, under one percent. Point two percent. Not the not the percentage you want to be uh, shooting for there. No. They are actually thirteen percent chance to make the playoffs. Even that seems high, really high. Yeah. That does seem high. I mean, I guess from a statistical standpoint, right, you give every team, you kind of start with a 25% chance just based on your division. So if you're working your way under 25%, you know, like 13% is pretty low, given that weirder things have happened than a team just sneaking into the playoffs. But yeah, it's 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 difficult to see. They are not things. the worst ranked team, though. Okay. We'll save it for later. Yeah. All right. And then last in the division, we have the New England Patriots. So the Patriots 2020 missed the playoffs for the first time in what was that? I want to say uh, since 2008. So 12 seasons. Uh, they since, missed the playoffs in, in 2020. Since the since Brady, since the Brady knee injury. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so that offseason they went and spent the NFL record 160 million dollars went out and signed a bunch of for 160 million they signed a bunch of players that weren't very high profile players which I think is when you look back on it pretty strange how um, I think you know John U. Smith was their their most like coveted signing and you look at this year you have Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill and all these big name players that that are being signed everywhere but um, they did get back into the playoffs last year uh, because of those signings, but not much of a showing where they were throttled, thromped even by the Bills, uh, 47 to 17. So you have, I, I don't know what to make of this team. I, I mean, they've have a few more decent signings. Uh, they got Jabril Peppers, Devonte Parker, uh, wide receiver from the, from the, from the Dolphins. Uh, haven't lost much. I think Kyle Van Noy, who's people kind of recognize him as a Patriot for some reason. Uh, JC Jackson is a pretty big loss at quarterback. What, what do you mean for some reason they recognize him as a Patriot? He was a Patriot. No, I know. But you know what I mean? Like, like when you hear that name, you think like it, it's, it's, he like as a, as a personification of the new England Patriots for no real reason. I mean, but, I, I, 
I wouldn't say no. I I don't know. He seems sort of pretty ever present, you know, in terms of is he? I mean, he's he's never made a Pro Bowl, never never like really been up there on stats. <laughs> sure, I mean he's won two Super Bowls with them, though. I think that helps in terms of recognizing someone, you know, and just becoming familiar with them playing somewhere. I guess. So you have Mac Jones with another season under his belt and a full, a full off season, uh, in the Bill Belichick system. So many people, I mean, I was pretty impressed with his, his rookie season, but it, to me, this could be a sophomore slump season for Mac Jones. I feel he was a little overhyped at the end of last season and with expectations being so high, there could be a drop back to reality a little bit for him. So I'm not on the Mac Jones to elite level QB train. Um, I, I never thought he was that great, but we'll have to see with that. Uh, the other big loss, I think, for the New England Patriots is Josh McDaniels is gone. Uh, so longtime offensive coordinator is now the Raiders head coach, and they haven't really replaced him. And I don't, they don't, Bill Belichick won't say what's happening with his coaches. It's kind of just a coach by committee or coach by Belichick. So that's kind of strange. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know really what to make of the Patriots. They, they're the Patriots, right? And they're going to be competitive under Bill Belichick. But whether they are going to be any better than the team got, that got throttled by the Bills in the playoffs, I don't really see it. Okay. We, no more throttled in this podcast. Okay. Um, yeah, no, I mean, you're right. I think that I think Josh McDaniels is a huge loss for them, especially in particular just when you see the relationship he had with, you know, when you have a rookie quarterback and your offensive coordinator is able to establish some sort of rapport with them in terms of the play calling and the understanding, I think that's important. And yeah, it looks as if Dan Patricia will be the, the sort of de facto offensive coordinator, if not in... Matt Patricia. Matt Patricia. Yeah. Or is Dan his, bro- his brother? Dan his his brother. Son? He's, yeah, he's, 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 he's just, uh, he's taken the pencil out from behind his ear and then he's <laughs> and switched from defense to offense by calling himself Dan. Yeah, Matt Patricia. Um, their offense in preseason has not looked good, so that would be that's a that's a huge warning, sort of red flag for them. Is that so far that transition does not appear to have been too smooth? But then the issue there is it's Bill Belichick. So how much do you want to read into whatever they're willing to show in preseason versus what they'll actually be able to do in a regular season game? So. I think this could potentially be a disastrous season for them. But at the same time, you just it's too hard to be too negative about them because of the Bill Belichick factor. I guess the question I'd ask you is, do you think this is the last season for both Pete Carroll and Bill Belichick? I, no joking aside, I think they will have to drag Belichick off the field. Like I honestly think he will coach until he's almost on his deathbed. <laughs> I, I don't see I think there'd be too much I think there's too much pride there I think if things start to really go badly then the question but becomes, I think there's too much pride that if things go badly he'll still think he can turn it around so then what are your predictions for the finishing order of the AFC East I'm gonna go I'll go top down I'm gonna go Bills Dolphins Patriots Jets and I think the Bills uh, will be the number one seed for the playoffs. And I think the Dolphins will also make the playoffs. Yeah, I'll agree with you. I'm not going to go into, yeah, I'm not necessarily 
finishing order and playoff seating, I think I won't get into. Okay. But but yeah, I think I, I agree with you in terms of the order in both the, the Bills and the Patriots making the playoffs. All right, next up, then I guess we can do NFC East. I'll try and be a little bit quicker on this division. Although, oh, <laughs> top division in the NFC. <laughs> I think it's one of the more complicated to have strong feelings about. You most, know. most open for grabs, maybe. Yeah. But so obviously, you know, you had the Cowboys win it last year and then have their sort of meltdown a little bit in the playoffs against the Niners. I think in some respects they're saved. I think people look back on that performance in the playoffs and see Dak Prescott kind of losing track of time and not being able to get a final playoff and and treat it almost as if they were going to either w- win that game or should have won that game. And overlooking the fact that at best they were getting what one play from the 35 needing a touchdown and also that for the majority of that game they were just totally outplayed. So I do think they're almost – it's one of those weird instances where having the bad final play – kind of makes the performance look better because people just remember it based on the, they had the chance to win and they blew it. So looking at the Cowboys themselves, they've lost a decent amount in terms of, you know, yes, you get Dak Prescott back with seemingly no injury concerns. That's a huge positive for them. CD lamb, I guess you'd expect to take another step forward. They lost to Mari Cooper. They lost Cedric Wilson. They brought in, James Washington, but he's suffered a broken foot. So, you know, you're looking at him being out for a sizable chunk of the season. Gallup is still recovering from a torn ACL. So, you know, you're looking at them being slightly weaker from an offensive weapon standpoint, at least for the first half of the season. And then the real issue with them is just their offensive line, which continues to also suffer from injuries. And for a team that has based a lot of what they do on their run game, it's concerning that their offensive line is having to be kind of rebuilt as the season begins. When you look at the Eagles, a team who I think everyone is pretty high on, which I guess is sort of surprising. Jalen Hurts had a good season last year, and I think people are expecting him to continue to progress. The major addition there is A.J. Brown, who, I mean, that's an extremely strong addition to their offensive weapons. And aside from that, kind of coming back with a a pretty similar-looking team to the one that they had, last year and then you know elsewhere the new york giants i mean i'll I'll let you probably take more of the lead on what your expectations are for the giants this season i think it's hard to be overly optimistic about them i think you know i they might be a big category of they are who we thought they they were team in that they haven't really made any significant improvement or reasons to think that they'll be better this year in comparison to last year but at the same time, they're not terrible, right? And they're very much capable of winning games, you know, on in sort of when the opportunity presents itself. And then you have the Washington Commanders, who I think will probably be one of the worst teams in the NFL this season, as they were last season. So I think that's the quickest summary in terms of my projections. Well, I'll let you do Man, your Man, just... Just blowing through half the teams in the NFC East. No respect. <laughs> I know. Spent 27 minutes on the Niners and Trey Lance's eating habits and, and workouts and everything. And we would even get a shout out to to uh, the Giants and the Commanders. What disrespect. Well, as a Giants fan, then, I'll let you. What are your feelings for about the New York Giants, the New York football Giants going into this season? Oh, nice. 
got to got the football giants in there. I don't have great expectations. I think as a Giants fan, this is one of those seasons where you'd rather be pleasantly surprised than let down. I think so last year they were four and thirteen. I would expect them to be better than four and thirteen. But there's a difference between expecting them to be better than four and thirteen and to be a playoff team. Is that five and twelve? Or are you saying seven wins? I think I think seven wins would be a nice season for the Giants this first year. You have a you have a brand new coach in in Brian Dabble, who I think is a very good coach, and that's what I'm most excited about. Is this is someone who came from the Buffalo Bills, who you know have an amazing offense, and you see some similarities between some of the talent that was on the Bills and some of the talent that could be on the Giants. I mean, there was a lot of comparison to Daniel Jones and Josh Allen. Um, when Dabble took the job, you know, that Daniel Jones, he has the, the, the frame like Josh Allen, he has the speed and he can run like Josh Allen can, which is, which is also something that's interesting to see if they incorporate that more into it, but he's still very raw. Uh, so I think what Dabble is able to do with Josh Allen, if he can do half of that with Daniel Jones, that would be a success. Um, and you have, you know, like Saquon Barkley, who's finally healthy after two years of not being healthy. Is that going to last? Who knows? So I, the part to be optimistic, I think, is that you're in a division, like you said, that anything can go. And if the Giants can get lucky and go three and four against the Cowboys and the Eagles, then they're in a spot that they can win that division, you know, because it's not going to be a high record that wins that division. It's going to be whoever, whoever wins the most games within that division is going to win the division because they're going to lose most of their out of division games. So I, I think people are going to be optimistic about the Giants. I'm not as much, but I think the only team you rule out here is the, the Commanders. I, I also agree. I don't think you don't bring in Carson Wentz and tell me that they're going to be the best team in the NFC East. I mean, maybe if this was six years ago, Carson Wentz could win the NFC East, but not anymore. Um, but yeah, and I kind of agree. I think the Cowboys, they're, the issue with the Cowboys is they've lost a lot this year. Um, I think Amari Cooper is a big loss. You have C.D. Lamb, but Amari Cooper pulled a lot of that coverage to give C.D. Lamb open, so he's going to be on his own now. And their offensive line that used to be the strength is now kind of dwindling. And you have uh, this is like deja uh, vu. Tyron Smith. <laughs> Are we just going through the preview a second time round? No, no, no. I'm just saying the thing is Tyron Smith, who's their best lineman, is out till December. And the first five games they're playing the Bucks, the Bengals, and the Rams there. So that's going to be scary defensive rushes for a team that's O-line is, is hurt. Uh, so that's gonna, that could be dangerous for, for Dak Prescott those first few weeks playing those teams. Uh, those are all scary teams. So uh, I agree with you. I think the Eagles – well, actually, I don't know if you even said, but um, I'm going to go with the Eagles win this division. Uh I, I didn't get to say, I said, hey, give us okay. your thoughts on the Giants, Frank. And then you get went, went in depth on all of the teams. But no, you're, well, you're I'll, go- I'll finish up. I'll, I'll just say I'm going to go with the Eagles to win this division. And then Cowboys, Giants, Commanders. Same order for me. And I will, I'll say I think only the Eagles will be making the playoffs. I do not think two teams will come out Agreed. of this division. No, <laughs> I do not think so in, at all. Um yeah. All right, which which AFC division would you like to do next then? Ooh, let's go AFC. 
North? East. We just did East. <laughs> so AFC. Let's go North. AFC South. Okay. Let's go right. South. Just to make this extra confusing. AFC South. Yes. All right. Yes. Over to you. Okay. All right. So you have the Matt Ryan Indianapolis Colts. The Carson Wentz era has come and gone. They are now relying on an even older quarterback in Matt Ryan. Uh, and just in case that wasn't enough, they brought in Nick Foles just to still get some of that Carson Wentz, uh, Philadelphia Eagles past glory. Uh, also brought in Stefan Gilmore uh, and Yannick at the end. So some really good signings for the Colts. I mean, that's what you think of Matt Ryan maybe at what, uh, 37 years old, you know, might change your opinion there a little bit, but really solidifying that defense, which lost to Xavier Rhodes, uh, but has gotten better. This is a team that was very run heavy uh, with, with Jonathan Taylor and to be able to bring Matt Ryan in, I think is going to relieve some of that pressure and might make Jonathan Taylor even better than what he was last year, because now there is a, a better threat, I think of, of the deep ball. Uh, but they have one of the easiest schedules in the league. I think they have the third or fourth ranked easiest schedule, so that will help them. And they were nine and eight last season. So I, I expect being nine and eight, having a better quarterback, having some better defensive additions with an easy schedule, I think they're going to be uh, well over 500. You have the Jaguars, who their biggest addition might be uh, Doug Peterson, their coach. Uh the Urban Meyer era has come and gone us also very quickly. Uh, and now they're on to another Eagles. This this is just an Eagle-heavy division here with Doug Peterson uh, trying to respark that magic. I don't know. They're, they'll be better. I mean, you have uh, Trevor Lawrence, who has another full offseason to kind of get ready now. So I think he'll clearly have a much better year. But they haven't done enough around him yet to be competitive. I think this is a team like the Giants. You can be optimistic, but not too optimistic. So uh, I don't think there's much there to discuss if you have anything. If you're higher on the Jaguars, maybe. I don't know. I'm not. Okay. Another team that I think is not going to do very well. This is the this is a division we have to get through quickly. Houston Texans uh, have lost to Sean Watson haven't done much to surround them. Uh, I mean, they've lost to Sean Watson, but he didn't play, what, for the last two years almost. So uh, he's already kind of been gone. But when you're relying on Davis Mills, I, I cannot trust that team to win anything. I don't, I don't think Davis Mills tells I, me. I don't think Davis. See, I don't care what you tell me. <laughs> I mean, I don't think Davis Mills looked that bad last season. But, I mean, look, I'm not saying the Texans are going to be good. I don't think Davis Mills is the reason they're going to be bad, though. Yeah, at, so another little fantasy nugget. Uh, I have a few I'd sprinkle in. A very high uh, expecting level here for Damon Pierce, their running back. Uh, there's talks that he's going to get a heavy workload, and he's looked amazing in preseason and training camps. So there's, uh, you know, a lot of people have ranked him pretty high on the fantasy radar. So as a running back on the Texans, he's my concern is, is he going to get a lot of rushes or are they going to go down 20 and start throwing the ball? But um, he could be a pretty good fantasy breakout player for people who 
want to get a second running back. Maybe that's going to be a starter that most people haven't heard of. So about the only thing I can say about the Texans is Damon Pierce. And then lastly, you have the Titans who were 12 and five last year had a good season. They have lost both AJ Brown and Julio Jones. So they're one and two wide receivers. They brought in Robert Woods from the Rams and Austin Hooper. Uh, also brought in uh, Malik Willis for a rookie quarterback from Liberty. So that'll be interesting to see him behind Tannehill. I don't think anyone's going to argue that Tannehill's not the starter, but maybe this will put a little fire under Tannehill to, to kind of push him a little bit. Having said that, I saw that Tannehill has 13 game-winning drives since 2019. He's second during that time for most game-winning drives since 2019. Do you want to guess who's number one, Eddie, including the playoffs, this is? Since 2019? Yep. So past three Um, seasons. I would say maybe Mahomes. No. Derek Carr. Okay. I mean, it's... 2019, it's the most game-winning drives. It's both a positive and a negative, right? Because it means you're not just (laughs) dominating games, so... And then the other interesting stat I found on uh, Tannehill, I thought was uh, pretty funny. So he is only the third quarterback. You're going to love this stat. It's so specific. The third quarterback since 1980 to throw an interception in the final minute of a tie game in the postseason. <laughs> so as clutch as he is uh, with 13 game-winning drives, that was not a very clutch moment for Tannehill with that interception he threw in the playoffs that knocked them out of the playoffs. Um, but I, this is just a weak division, right? And so I think the Titans are probably still the favorites in this division just because besides the Colts, there's really not much there. And at this point, I think you just have to weigh whether you think the Titans have lost too much and have kind of just been lucky these past few, few years, which I know you kind of have that opinion, that they're a decent team. You you labeled them, I think, dumpster fire for numerous seasons <laughs> or, or dumpster fire adjacent. Yeah. Dumpster- uh, or whether you believe the Colts have added enough to, to surpass them, I think okay, is the so big what, talking point. So what's your finishing order then for this division? I'm going to go with the Colts. Uh, I think the Colts have added enough, and I still think Matty Ice has got some from fire left in him. So I'm going to go Colts one, Titans two, um, and then, I don't know, uh, Jags three and Texans four. But I do think the Titans will make the playoffs as the coming in second in this division. Yeah, I'll be exactly the same as you then. So keep things simple. It helps when you can get four wins in your division pretty easily. <laughs> yeah. All right, moving on then. We'll do the NFC North. I guess one of the more interesting divisions in the NFC. At least it has one of the, the sort of standout teams from the NFC. I think there's can be a little disagreement in the fact that the AFC looks a lot stronger than the NFC this year, at least in terms of strength of depth. Here you have the Packers who just come into this every year as the default expected winners. I mean, not only because you have Aaron Rodgers, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the league coming off uh, two straight MVP awards, but also you're talking about a team that, you know, defensively looks pretty good. I think really right up there. The question marks are you're now in a situation where he is working with a group of receivers who are complete unknowns fundamentally. I mean, they, they spent a relatively high draft pick 
to try and replace the loss of Devontae Adams, but you're still talking about losing one of the standout wide receivers in the league and now hoping that you can sort of replace him by committee almost. I think you just, when it comes to the Packers, you have to not doubt them until they show you that they're bad almost. And, you know, you know that they own the Bears. The rest of this division is, is you know, you got a big question mark, I guess, over the Vikings, over which, you know, they're another team that's the sort of Jekyll and Hyde of the NFL. I think them and the Cardinals really fit that description. But I think, uh, you know, it's hard to hard to kind of see past the Packers. The Lions, they look as if they're on an upward trend. I know a lot of people really enjoyed uh, the improvements that they showed under Dan Campbell last season in terms of being really committed to playing the game in the way that he wanted them to play. And in spite of the fact that they were winless in the first 11 games of the season, that they were then able to sort of show improvement towards the back end and not just have their heads drop and give up on the season, which I think would have been pretty easy to do. And that sort of shows commitment to a more long-term project, which is encouraging for the Lions, but I don't think you'll actually see significant improvement from them this season. In terms of the Vikings, who I think are the only team that really threatened the possibility of sort of, you know, beating the, the Packers to winning this division. You've got Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook. So when you have two sort of superstar offensive weapons like that, you, you, you know that they're going to put up points. You obviously have the question mark in terms of the consistency at the quarterback position, and that will become usually a weekly trend in our podcast as we discuss how we feel, whether or not we actually do like it. But I think, uh, you know, there's enough to like about them on offense. Defensively, I think, is where you see the real separation between them and the Packers. And they just don't have any sort of real standouts on the defensive side of the ball. So I think, you know, they, they, their pass rush is okay. When you look at uh, Hunter and Smith, they have a chance there of maybe putting some quarterbacks under pressure, but their secondary looks extremely weak. And I think... If they're going to win games, they're going to have to win high-scoring games consistently, which might kind of suit them with the way their offense is built. And for the Bears, I mean, they just seem to be entering a complete rebuild. I mean, not only are they is, it, is this season overshadowed by the fact that they're moving out of Chicago right to their, their new stadium in the suburbs, but you also have the issue with the fact that just all they've basically done this offseason is clear cap space. So it is difficult to find a positive when it comes to the Bears. And and no more Matt Nagy. Uh, yeah, I guess that. Fuss. Yes. And they, I mean, their offensive line and their defensive line look terrible. You know, it's hard to see. I don't think they'll get much pressure on uh, opposing quarterbacks. And at the same time, I don't think they're going to be, give, be able to buy their own offense anytime uh, at all. So, yeah, I think that's a kind of quick summary. And then for me, as I said, until until I sort of see otherwise, I'll just pick the Packers to win this division. I have the Vikings in second. I have the uh, the uh, Lions in third, and I think the Bears are possibly the worst team in the NFL. So I'm going to have them right at the bottom. Wow. Okay. the The Bears aren't actually, according to five three eight, the worst team in the NFL. The worst well, teams we actually Frank, covered were the, Fal- the Falcons and the Texans. <laughs> according to according to five thirty eight, Donald Trump was wasn't going to be president either. So what do they know? <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I I have the same ranking as you do. I think the Packers and the Vikings will both make the playoffs. Um, I think the other thing to note about the Vikings is uh, they now have um, uh, I can never remember his first name, Kevin O'Connell, the uh, now second youngest head coach in the NFL, coming from the Rams, who's the offensive coordinator for the Rams. So they've brought in, I think, is a smart move. I think you're right. Their defense is is very iffy. But they have such a good offensive weapons that they haven't been able to utilize. So to bring in an offensive-minded coach, uh, young, with the team like the Rams that has a similar system in terms of the weapons they have, I think it's going to be really helpful for that offense. So you could see them being the top scoring offense in the NFL this year, I think, with Justin Jefferson. If Dalvin Cook can stay healthy, and I think Kirk Cousins is, is a really good QB. So. I think that, that's I think that's fine, and also Kirk Cousins has openly spoken about right how bad his relationship with Zimmer was. So you do yeah. have to look when you have that kind of di- sort of division between your head coach and your starting quarterback. Then then even if the head coach who steps in to replace him isn't necessarily great, which it's a big unknown, right? But it's probably an improvement from a chemistry standpoint. Yeah, and interestingly, this is Kirk Cousins' final year of that massive $66 million contract that he signed, you know, all those years ago that people were going crazy about. It, it doesn't seem that long, but it has been a long time. Uh, I, you know, I'm never high on the Packers. Uh, they have lost a lot. They've lost their top two receivers. And now you have Alan Lazar, who is their top receiver. This is a guy who was an undrafted free agent signed off the Jags practice squad and has Last season, 40 catches for 500 yards, and now he's the number one target for Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is a great QB, but that isn't giving him much around him. Uh, So I I always want to go against the Packers. I really do. But you're right. I, I think their defense is more solid than the Vikings, and I think it might be closer than most people expect. So, you know, last year the Vikings were eight and nine, and the Packers were 13 and four. I don't think that separation is going to be that great this year. I think it's going to be one or two games, but I still think the Packers win that division. I think the Vikings get second. All right. Who are we moving on to in the AFC then? AFC North. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's you. <laughs> you don't have to. Okay. <laughs> oh, you, you can have an input, Eddie. <laughs> so this is, a, this is a division that's, I think like a roller coaster of a division because if you start with the Cleveland Browns, you had a team who everyone was just riding on the Cleveland Browns to be this, you know, they're back. They're finally coming back. They're a playoff team. They're Super Bowl contenders. And then kind of went eight and nine and uh, didn't meet much people's expectations. And then they go out and get Deshaun Watson, which, you know, we've talked about many times on the podcast of whether, that was a move they should have done. Does it help their team? Yeah, for sure. Um, it doesn't help their team that he's suspended for the first 11 games, right? Am I getting that right now? 11. Uh, that's not going to help them very much, those first 11 games. And uh, they're going to have to rely on Jacoby Brissett, who is maybe Jacoby Brissett's the best backup in the, in the NFL, Eddie. That's not a bad one. There's no way you can think that Jacoby Brissett is better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo. Can, you pull, can we pull up some statistics? It's not about <laughs> stats. I don't care about stats when it's <laughs> not about. 
I don't care about stats or something like that. You, the, the eye test, you cannot be watching Jacoby Brissett and think. I mean, put it this way. Do you think Jacoby Brissett could, could be a quarterback of a team that makes a Super Bowl? No, but I don't think Garoppolo is either. <laughs> Can we pull up some <laughs> stats on that one? Because <laughs> he, he was just standing there. <laughs> yeah, unless, unless I hallucinated, I'm pretty sure I watched Jimmy Garoppolo play in a Super Bowl. Yeah. But I, I don't, you know, you, it's tough to figure out the Browns because without Deshaun Watson playing 11 games, it's going to be tough to see how many they, of those 11 they can win by the time he comes back. And then when he comes back, is he going to be clicking right away with this team? You know, he doesn't have time to get into a groove with them. I mean, you also have Amari Cooper. That's a big addition, but they did lose Jarvis Landry. Uh, so this is a team that I, I have no idea what we're going to see. And I do think you're going to see another season where they're below 500. Maybe the following year with the full year of Watson and Amari Cooper together, but this year I just don't see it. Then you have the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, this is a team who last year I think exceeded a lot of people's expectations, especially once they got to the playoffs, you know, making the Super Bowl. Joe Burrow looks the real deal. Uh, I don't think he's going to be dropping any. I think he's just going to get better and better. They've surrounded him with some really good talent. Young team, so they get that benefit of being able to sign players because of the cap limit, because they're all on rookie deals or young deals, uh, which really helps them. They've solid, they've solidified that offensive line, which is always the big worry with the Bengals is can Joe Burrow survive? So they did bring in uh, Leo Collins and Alex Kappa. So those are two big signings for them on the offensive line. I think they're going to be better than their regular season record was last year. They were 10 and seven last year. I can see them being 11, six next year. I think they're going to win this division. Anything, any on the Bengals? I know you were never super high on the Bengals. No, I mean, I think the Bengals and the Rams had some shared fortune right in the playoffs themselves like i mean the Bengals could have easily lost and probably should have lost in every round of the playoffs um that's not to take away joe burrow's you know incredibly impressive last season and offensively they look really good i think they'll yeah they'll continue to make progress they seem to have addressed the major issue that they had which was protecting joe burrow you know and they have done a good job of solidifying uh, you know, their line and probably will give him that little bit of extra time and reduce the possibility that he has one of his knees absolutely destroyed over the course of this season. So again, yeah. So <laughs> I think, I think the Bengals will, you know, be good. I, I, yeah, my expectation, I mean, if you want to go from a sort of, I don't know if you want me to give away my order in terms of how I think this division will fi finish just yet, but yes, I think they will win this division. Next you have Baltimore Ravens. Um, this is a team that was eight and nine last year, but you know, as someone, Eddie, you'll know, I sympathize so much with teams that just have tons of injuries. And this was a team that was just riddled with injuries. And, you know, I think you can put a lot of that record on a team that was on to like their six and seven strings in some positions. So if they can be healthy this year, it, it's, you have Lamar Jackson, who, who is a dynamic quarterback and can, 
you know, really change games. What's interesting is I saw Lamar Jackson is declining his offer for a contract extension and wants to play out the final year of his rookie contract. The last time that happened for the Ravens was Joe Flacco, who decided not to sign an extension and play out his final year. And you know what he did that year, Eddie? Won the Super Bowl and went to McDonald's. Won the fucking Super Bowl. That's right. Once again, you're very <laughs> And ex- became the NFL highest paid player. <laughs> I don't, what, a, what a decision that was. Yeah, no, I mean, it worked out for Flacco. I don't really understand the move from Lamar Jackson's standpoint, just because I don't think his stock can get too much higher. Like, even if you told me, I mean, you're talking about a guy who's already won the NFL MVP. So, yes, if he won, wins the Super Bowl, I don't know if that significantly increases what the, from a contract standpoint, what the offer would be. So... I don't really know yeah. why you'd be doing it, particularly when you're a player with the style that he plays, where it's just get get, get the money when you can. Well, just I mean, <laughs> he would be a higher risk quarterback, right? You yeah. just yeah, an injury could occur. You obviously don't want to see it happen, but just with the way that he plays, I'd put him. If you told me which sort of top ten quarterback will have a serious injury this season, and I had to guess one, I think you'd have to say that. Lamar Jackson is the most likely candidate, but, um, but yeah, no, I, I mean, I think the Ravens will be good this year. And as you touched on, I mean, they, they were really pretty much destroyed through injuries last season. It's in, it's impossible to imagine that they will have that same level of bad luck this time around. And their team is again, another team that knows their identity. And when everything's clicking for them, it's pretty hard to stop their offense. The question really, yeah, it's a- go ahead. I would say it's a team that knows their identity, but the issue is they let go Sammy Watkins and Marquise Brown. So don't need them. I don't know. You're right. You don't need them until their running backs and their quarterbacks get hurt again from running it 70 times a game. And then they're back in the same issue that they're in. <laughs> I mean, the real. I, I mean, but at, right? Like at a point, I get it, but they're thin. They're very thin. And I, I don't trust that. Uh, the real question for them is translating their regular season dominance when they are healthy into uh, consistent into sort of playoff wins. I think that's their real issue, but you know, and I think that they will be able to uh, do that at some point, whether or not that's this season will be to be decided. And then you have the Pittsburgh Steelers who somehow some way we're nine, seven, and one last year and snuck into the playoffs. But you can say goodbye to Ben Rosselsberger. You can say goodbye to Heinz Field. It's now the AccuSure Stadium. Uh, things are not looking up for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I do not see them having a winning season. It should be noted that Mike Tomlin has not had a losing season in now 15 seasons. So I think this is the one that he's finally going to have the under 500 season here. You have, you know, can you rely on a quarterback named Mitch Trubisky? I don't think so. I wouldn't be surprised if Kenny Pickett gets in pretty, pretty early into this season. He looks, he has looked really good in, uh, in preseason, but not good enough. I think to lead a team that doesn't have much going for them this year. And besides, I think they're, Best asset is Mike Tomlin, but he can only do so much with what he's given. So I think they're going to finish last in this division. Yeah, I'm going to have, I have the Bengals and the Ravens both making the playoffs. Uh, I actually think the Steelers will finish above the Browns just because of the quarterback issue there. 
And I just, I'm just going to trust in Tomlin and the fact that the Steelers finish above 500. <laughs> Again, it's a little bit like the Packers. It's a little bit like the Patriots. Like you just at a certain moment in time, you just have to imagine that they kind of copy and paste, you know, their seasons from one season to the next. So yeah, I expect them to get to what nine wins then to have a 500 season. And, uh, if that's the case, then just with the strength of that division, by kind of default, you have to put the Browns last. You know, like if you've got the Ravens and the Bengals making the playoffs. Uh, but yeah, I think that's uh, that's the finishing order that I have. Yeah, I'm the same except flipping the Browns and the Steelers. So I think the Steelers, we know you hate the Steelers. I mean, you know, and and it for three years, it's finally going to come to fruition. Yeah, <laughs> and you you can have you can get absolutely no credit because you've been predicting their demise. <laughs> year in year out so when it actually finally happens you know the 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 horse is bolted so there's no <laughs> there's no credit that can, can be given to you yeah all right so then to wrap up the nfc we go to the nfc south where i mean the i guess an interesting off season in the terms of you had tom brady retiring and then unretiring and that completely changed the complexion for this division because you had the you know, the had Tampa Bay going from a, you know, Super Bowl contender to probably not even being a playoff team and then back to being a Super Bowl contender in the blink of an eye. So I think not really too much to discuss from the Bucks side of things. Um, you know, the injuries are always the question mark uh, and you, they come into this with their offensive line having a serious number of injuries. I just think the the thing that makes it difficult to make too strong of a prediction about the Bucks is just you know over the course of the season that even if they do have injuries, if it's to anyone other than Tom Brady, they'll pretty much be able to pick up, you know, vet like free agents, uh, you know, kind of get some sign and trade deals at some point, or someone else will unretire. I know there's huge speculation that Julian Edelman is going to unretire at some point to come back and play for the Bucks, so. You know, they'll build a team that when it gets to the playoffs will be capable of competing. So it's kind of yeah. hard to make too strong of a prediction when it comes to them. Let me ask you this. Do you think Julio Jones is a better addition or can replace the loss of Antonio Brown? Yes. And I'm saying that knowing that Antonio Brown wasn't that productive, but, you know, kind of what I'm saying is, is Julio Jones still that productive? I think Julio Jones is going to have a little bit of a, of a you know s- sort of second wind with Tom Brady, just because oh, I think a little resurgence. Yeah, Tom Brady's think, going to breathe breathe some youth into him. <laughs> well, I don't think it's about youth. I just think Julio Jones, in addition to you know the physical traits that made him so dominant early in his career, I think he also just had a really good understanding of the game, and so I think his ability to turn into just a sort of stereotypical Tom Brady route runner, but who's also more gifted than most of the people who've kind of filled that role over the years for for Tom Brady. I think there can be little doubt that he'll be efficient and effective for them this season. And also just you add in the fact that teams defensively have to pay some level of respect to him in a way that they don't if he had been, you know, some sort of random lameness receiver. So I think that also helps the team overall. Then elsewhere, I mean, you have the Saints who have gone through you know, a pretty major overhaul this year in terms of the end of the Sean Payton era. You now have Dan- Dennis Allen coming in. He was the defensive coordinator, now stepping in to be the head coach. Obviously, previous head coaching experience 
didn't exactly set the world on fire during his first stint as an NFL head coach. So I'm not sure if I look at Dennis Allen taking over from Sean Payton and think that the Saints are going to be able to easily replicate the kind of performances that we've seen from them over the last few years. I also think it's always interesting, you know, like the Sean Payton era with with the Saints. I think you'd their defense was obviously very good at different moments in time, but you kind of think of him more from the offensive side of things in terms of what they were able to do. Um, and so to have a defensive-minded coach take over, even if their defense was maybe the better side of their team in recent seasons, I think that's a slight concern. I know what your opinions are on Jameis Winston. I think he's okay, but I, you know, I don't think he's anything special and he's really much a stopgap um, until they're able to find what their long-term plan is there at, uh, at quarterback. Some interesting additions in terms of you've got Jarvis Landry joining them, the expectation that Michael Thomas will play again at some point this season. Although I just don't know what the situation is with Michael Thomas. You know, you had these kind of mystery injuries that kept him out for so long. So even if, he looks healthy for the first half of the season. How does that translate into the second half? Um, and, you know, so I think they'll be good. But barring something, barring an injury to Tom Brady, I think it's pretty clear that this is, uh, you know, Tampa Bay's division to lose. And then in the bottom half, you've got Atlanta, who are still in full re- rebuilding mode. Um, I think it's, aside from Kyle Pitts, it's difficult to be too optimistic about anything that they have on on offense. And with the Carolina Panthers, similar situation, obviously change at quarterback. And this is a big test for Baker Mayfield, right? Stepping in to see if he can prove some of his doubters wrong, to see if his drop-off in form last season was entirely linked to the fact that he played the majority of the year with a pretty serious shoulder injury. But Christian McCaffrey aside, it's not a great team. And then Christian McCaffrey very rarely plays, you know, over two thirds of the season. So, oh, well, funny you mentioned that, Eddie. I don't know if you saw, but he reached out to Marshall Falk this year and got a lot of uh, like training advice and uh, like mental advice for how to last the entire season and not get injured. So he completely changed his preparation uh, in part due to all this advice that Marshall Falk gave him to hopefully keep him healthy for the year. So, yeah, that won't work. <laughs> At a certain moment in time, you're just a player who gets injured. You know what I mean? Like there's there's just no reason to think. And also just with the way that they use Christian McCaffrey, it's the other. It's the downside of being such a heavy usage offensive weapon. It's just difficult to imagine playing him playing an entire season, especially when you factor in. I don't think that they're, they're going to be that good. So there's going to be a heavy temptation if he does pick up an injury, you know, two-thirds of the way this through the season to shut him down because – why are you going to bring him back to play on a team that's not making the playoffs? But so then in finishing order, my predictions will be Tampa Bay first, Saints second. I'll put the Panthers third, just because I think the Falcons are going to be awful. And I do think Baker Mayfield is a decent NFL quarterback. So I think, and they also get the bonus, right? Of playing the uh, Cleveland first up. And that just seems <laughs> you know destined to be a win for them. And so I'll, I'll put them third and, and yeah, the Falcons bottom of the lot. Yeah. I mean, I think, the, you know, the Panthers at five and 12 last year, I think they might 
push up to about seven wins. You know, I think Baker Mayfield is a pretty good addition for that team. I think he'll have a lot to prove. And, you know, people, when he was on the Browns, people thought he was going to be great and then he didn't. And then they ran him out of Cleveland and now, you know, we'll have to see, but I think he's definitely a, a step up from Sam Darnold. Uh, the interesting part about the Saints and the Bucks is Tom Brady is yet to beat the Saints, so he's 0-4 against the Saints. That's such meaningless stuff. I think that's somewhat meaningful. <laughs> How many teams do you have a losing record against? <laughs> I don't know. I just don't – that stuff, I think – I mean, he's definitely going to beat them once this year. Put it that way. Really? Because the odds would say, Eddie, he won't. <laughs> History would say that he won't. I don't think the the odds when they come around will say that he will. <laughs> I think the Saints are the interesting, one of the more interesting teams in the NFL. I think you touched on a little bit. You know, is Michael Thomas going to be healthy? Is he going to be back to the Michael Thomas that was great? Is I think you're right. I don't have the highest opinion of Jameis Winston, but if there were a team that Jameis Winston could be successful at you, in, at least you said his name right. I was going to wait to the last one to throw it out, but now you've ruined it. <laughs> if there's a team he could be successful in, I think it's this team. Like He has that gunslinger mentality, but they have a good offense where that could benefit them. You know, when he was on the Bucks, he didn't have that great array. He didn't have Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, Jarvis Landry. So I, I think it could work in his favor here. But another quarterback who can't stay healthy, so we'll have to see on that one. But yeah, I, I agree with you. I think the Bucks. I think the Julio Jones addition is going to be a great addition. I think exactly what you said. He is a, he was a great receiver, and I think he could still do it. So I'm going to go Bucks Saints, same as you, Bucks Saints, Panthers, Falcons. All right, and then finish things off for us, then Frank, with the arguably best division in the NFL. Yeah, arguably, I guess. Yeah, I think AFC West. Yeah, I think there's a strong case for it being the strongest division. Yeah, I think this is getting close to that one year where we thought everyone in the NFC West could have made the playoffs. What was that like three years ago? Um, there's, I mean, you could argue every team in here could be a playoff team. Uh, so you have the Denver Broncos, seven and ten last year, but obviously biggest signing in the NFL, bringing in Russell Wilson with his questionable. Uh, uh, media <laughs> uh, things he's been doing uh, kind of dorky, but yeah, drew lock to Russell Wilson, enormous upgrade. Um, I think you now have a team where you have him with Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton and KJ Hamler. That's, that's a dangerous offense. Uh, whether their defense is going to be as good as it could be in this division is going to be, Tough to imagine because the division is so strong offensively. I mean, it's crazy how good these offenses are in this division. So we'll have to see. But I, definitely a huge upgrade there. Chargers, I think, now the best team in this division. You have uh, Justin Herbert, who just keeps getting better and better. Uh, I think he's going to push for an MVP this year. Khalil Mack, I think, is a big signing for them. J.C. Jackson at cornerback. Uh, Van Noy at linebacker. So they've really tried to strengthen that defense to slow down some of this offense in this division. And you have an offense that hasn't lost much, uh, added Sony Michelle as well. Uh, it's it, they're dangerous, dangerous team. Uh, and I think spoiler, I think they're going to win this division from, for me. Uh, then you have the chiefs who 
have lost Tyreek Hill. Uh, we discussed whether that is going to be as big a loss as we think it is, uh, whether he was just a, a part of the system or whether he was that good. Uh, they also lost the Honey Badger, which I wasn't very high on the Honey Badger, uh, so I don't think that's a huge loss for them. But they have brought in Juju Smith-Schuster, so maybe you know you talked about uh, Julio kind of having a, a reemergence. Juju Smith-Schuster has kind of been lackluster these past few seasons. Is he going to step back up? Uh, Valdez Scantling, also wide receiver coming in, as well as Sky Moore was their um, signing for the rookies. And George Karloftis was a big rookie sign for them at the end who looked really good in preseason. So if they can have someone that has finally some some pressure along the end, that would be pretty good. But you still have Mahomes and Kelsey, so they're obviously going to be a solid team. You know, that's they're just so good. And then Hardman, I think, is going to be the wild card here. Can McCall Hardman replace Tyreek Hill with that speed that he has? You know, he's, he is almost just as fast, but does he have that route running ability that Tyreek Hill had? So that'll be interesting to see. Uh, 12 and five last year as well. So I think they'll stay around there. And then lastly, you have the Raiders who had a, I think a surprisingly good season last year, 10 and seven, um, then went out and signed Devonte Adams, you know, besides Russell Wilson, probably the biggest signing in the NFL. You now have a team who <laughs> has so many options on offense with, you have Carr, Devonte Adams, Hunter Renfro, uh, Waller at tight end, Josh Jacobs at running back. That's that's a solid, solid offense. Uh, they signed Chandler Jones on defense, four-time Pro Bowler. So uh, you have him and Max Crosby now uh, at DNs, so you can get some pressure there. But they were not a good uh, secondary. Uh, I mean, they were a decent secondary last year, but they have some losses in their secondary, so I don't know if they're going to be as good as they were last year. Uh, so... Yeah, I think this is a tough division to predict just because every offense seems pretty stacked and every defense does not seem particularly stacked. So I don't know if it's you choose who's the best offense or you choose who's the least worst defense. <laughs> no, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to think how see how it will play out. I do think people are predicting the drop-off of the Chiefs to be a little bit too soon. Um, there are... and. I don't know. I don't fully trust the Chargers yet. I think they're a good team, but and and I also think there's some question marks over Russell Wilson. The version of Russell Wilson that we saw in the last couple of years in Seattle was not exactly spectacular. So I think people are sort of penciling in the idea that this is MVP caliber Russell Wilson back, you know, going to a new team, and that the issues were everywhere else in Seattle. And certainly, this is a better setup for him and a team that will be more suited to his style of play. But he's probably not the player that he once was so i guess i'll just throw in my predictions i'm gonna have the chiefs winning this division the chargers second the raiders third and the broncos fourth and i actually i do think three of these teams will make the playoffs wow i also think three are gonna make the playoffs but i'm a little different i'm gonna go chargers chiefs broncos raiders i think the broncos will will make the playoffs as the third team in this division and i think all four teams will finish above 500. Yeah.